This is the Gritty Bird Waterfowl Podcast. What's going on, Gritty Bird listeners? This is Chris Barbera, your host. Just wanted to give you a brief introduction to this podcast. Um, we were out on a late season hunt here in Colorado, and this podcast is mainly about uh, hunting over a river's late season and some safety and some tips um, throughout the podcast. Please bear with us. Uh, Brian and I are both struggling with a little bit of a cold, so if we don't sound like our normal selves and sound a little tired, and that's the reason why. So we want to thank you guys, as always, for tuning in, and I hope you guys do enjoy this podcast. What's going on, Gritty Bird listeners? This is Chris Barbera, your host, joined again with my co-host, Brian Barbera. Today's episode number nine of our show, and it's currently January 14, 2017. Uh, we're hanging out in our hotel in Sterling, Colorado. We had just got done with our first day hunt here, and it's been an interesting day. We uh, are trying to hunt the river here in Colorado, uh, South Platte River, and we got in last night. It was probably about 8 p.m., got into our hotel, got all situated, and we were supposed to wake up at 4 a.m. this morning, and of course, um, I was the only one that set my alarm, and I actually had it set for the weekday, not Saturday, so we ended up, uh, Brian actually ended up waking up at 5.30 and nudged me and said, it's 5.30, dude, and I was like, no, he's like, it's 5.30, <laughs> I was like, oh shit, I probably forgot to check and make sure it wasn't my Monday through Friday alarm that I have for work, so, and anyways, we ended up getting out a little bit later than we wanted to. Um, we're actually okay with that. We had a unit number 11 on Tamarack Ranch, and we had never been there before. And with the South Platte, and especially in the late season, it can be very dangerous to be out there if you're not familiar with the unit that you're hunting on. So in the dark, it's a whole different you know ball game when you're trying to poke around, fill around to see how deep it is. So I'm kind of glad that we you know got there a little bit later, we were able to see and actually turned out to be kind of a bust, huh, Bray? Um, I wouldn't say a bust. I mean, we well, got 11. There. 11 was a bust. 11 was. I mean, yeah. um, the water's flowing really deep um, this year or right now at this particular time because of the snowfall. And because of that, I mean, safety is the number one, <laughs> number one issue for sure. Yeah. So we decided not to, not to hunt this morning. Instead, we decided to kind of go scout some areas out that we might want to consider for next season or uh, even tomorrow. So that's what we did. Yeah, I mean, I don't, it was definitely, you know, a learning experience today. We drove down a little farther east than we've ever been and checked out a couple of other SWAs, public land that we could potentially hunt next year, you know, maybe a little bit earlier than late January or mid-January probably like early december i think would be a good time to hit those yeah i mean october november um december even and honestly last year we hit tamarack right um january 20 20th i think and it was completely different so we'll talk about that a little later on yeah so um that's just kind of a summary of what we were doing this uh, yesterday and today and um, this podcast is going to be more about geared towards river hunting and safety on the river and um, late season hunts, as well as a little bit of a recap for Brian. He's been field hunting with our other buddy, Dominic, 
and uh, they've been having some good success with geese out there. So um, as somebody that hunts mostly over ponds and lakes and most recently in the field, um, we don't usually get on the rivers except for the late season when everything's completely frozen over. Um, and with it being late season in Colorado, the river can be, you know, rewarding as well as um, definitely dangerous if you don't know what you're doing out there. So we just want to remind everybody to, um, you know, when you're going out to the river, make sure you're a kind of checking the map and getting a Google image imagery of the area to see kind of splits and um, maybe some channels that may not be as deep as the the main portion of the river. And then also when you get to that spot, um, a couple things that we like to do, and uh, maybe Brian will interject here in a minute, but we always, you know, we, we never go by ourselves first and foremost. So we always have somebody there and just in case something goes sour, shit goes bad, we'll have a stick usually to kind of poke and prod just to see how deep when we first get in. Because um, a lot of times the way that the rivers are, um, how it cuts through and banks over the first initial step is kind of deep and <clears throat> sometimes you think it's going to be shallow when you step in but in fact it's like you know up to your hip four feet deep yeah or sometimes it's even vice versa and right. you step in and it's actually shallow when you think it's going to be deep and right you just never know especially when you're dealing with the ice shelves like what we had today a little bit and um we got out there we probably could have set up in an area and we didn't feel comfortable you and i didn't have our waiters on mm-hmm. we sent eric out there and um he said it was pretty deep and starting to get deep and i mean the thing is there's some something else to consider is if you shoot a bird how are we gonna get it and right we have a dog and <laughs> uh, yeah i was waiting for you to get to that <laughs> he'll get the birds i mean but at the end of the day i don't we don't want to risk our dog for well, let's, for a bird. let's talk about that. So, I mean, obviously most waterfowl hunters, they have, you know, their, their bird dog. So as a bird dog owner, you know, Remy is our bird dog and, you know, we definitely use them and, you know, put them in the field as much as we can. But when it comes to situations that we feel that we're, would put them in risk, we definitely, we're pretty cautious with that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you hear stories all the time of someone's dog they ran out after the bird and then you know it just goes south all it takes is you know getting clipped and caught under that ice and they go under and then they're they're done i mean there's snow right. coming up from that so that was our first thought is you know can we even get in in this area and then the second thought was well if a bird gets dropped will he be able to get it or or is it going to be something where it gets down and then he's going to be in a sticky situation? And, right. and there was really no safe area other than, I mean, there, there was a little slough that maybe we could have gotten on. Mm-hmm. But with the water being as deep as it is right now, which I would say at least probably a foot higher than usual. Yeah, definitely a foot higher. At least, at least a foot. Which, maybe. like you mentioned, in turn, it makes the, the flow of the river. Flow a lot faster. A lot faster. Um, not just the speed of it but um i mean that's just more resistance on you too so you got the speed more resistance because you're dealing with more water Mm -hmm. and 
and then also the the level itself so right there's really three main factors with that and you got to take that into account if you're trying to be safe and and you have to be safe i mean there's no bird well, worth dying over i mean just take a for example the guy we met at the diner today or the breakfast place that we had our um i think it was lucy's or something like that in crook area but we were sitting down eating our breakfast and group a table next to us they were very nice and friendly and courteous and the older guy sitting towards us he was actually i think like a paramedic and fireman for the um the city yeah and he was mentioning that you know well, we were telling him yeah we were he's like how'd you guys do we we're like oh you know we were a little bit concerned with the flow of the river so we kind of took it easy in the morning and more used it more as like a you know glad or walking around and exploring day and then he was mentioning about how he had lost a dog himself personally to the ice. Yeah, and then another experience where he actually went under too. So, oh, I maybe I didn't catch that. What was his story on that? Um, apparently, just water got him, slipped up, and when he was young. Yeah. Oh, and, I kind of remember saying and, that. And uh, took him down the river about a hundred yards. And oh yeah, so yeah, he was saying I I remember now. Yeah, that's right. <coughs> he was saying his waiter belt. <clears throat> at the time he had cinched it up and that it had like a reverse effect where it flipped him upside down because the air in his air. trapped in his waders and turned him upside down so his head went under and was he able to like loosen it and then it flipped him back up yep so that's another thing so maybe we can uh if anybody has more expertise on waiter belts maybe give us a little lesson on it because i i have one but i don't really use it too often i'm not sure of the benefits you know to keep water out would be the primary thing but what this guy's saying is that actually had a reverse effect and kept air in his waders which flipped him upside down causing his head to go underwater which that can't be good either and it makes sense i mean yeah anytime you have air if you see anything right. like a like a, a bottle and you flip bobby it, or, or yeah, boat the, the air goes to the top and and the heavy end goes to the bottom and so um <clears throat> just one of those things that you got to think about as well Right, right. But so going going back to our experience um, on the river today. So the tips that we had mentioned, you know, definitely be cautious when you're first entering. If it's a new area and you're getting there at the dark, definitely be that you know even more cautious because you don't you can't see and it's unfamiliar area. Um, trying to think. Uh, so sometimes what we'll do is like. As much as we want to be on the main area of the river, we'll try to find the sloughs and the um, side channels to get on. Just it's not as deep, obviously. The birds still will, will kind of migrate, and move over on the side of it, um, and um, it's just a more com you know you're just know knowing <coughs> knowing that you're not going to get swept under. It's peace like it's, it's just much more a better experience, I guess I would say. Definitely a lot more peace of mind and peace of mind, yeah. Um, I mean, safety number one. Right. Don't don't be foolish. You mentioned it a couple times. No bird is worth tying over. <laughs> no, definitely not. Or losing a dog. Yeah. Or even your gear. I mean, a gun or yeah, decoys and all that. I mean, it all adds up. Right. Um, but so after we got, uh, you know, we we walked or we. Did our um, reconnaissance, went eastern, kind of found some new SWAs. Um, came back because we thought 
<clears throat> the area that we hunt is like a check-in card system and figured that some people would have left their spot in the afternoon we'd be able to pick up our our favorite areas which were more western on the river and we were right somebody had left we were able to swoop up on one of our areas and um, ended up setting up had a couple birds right away flying over and thought it would be I don't know geese we had a lot of geese coming in lots of geese and and lots of ducks too I mean got hot midday which isn't very typical like 12 31 ish is when we got there uh-huh. yeah so I mean the birds were flying all day and <clears throat> it just I mean one of those things we had to work hard and we didn't reap anything of it <laughs> But had a couple cool experiences. I always saw a pintail come in. Might have called it premature as Brian Steads, but I don't know. I thought it was in shooting range and saw a feather fall off of it. So <laughs> yeah, but it didn't drop. So <laughs> no bird in the bag. So no, but I mean, these are probably the days that you learn the most. Um, yeah, a couple things that I'll take from it is is you know first we weren't upset how the day went and right. and that's the number one thing it gave us a lot of hope for tomorrow mm-hmm. um i think that tomorrow will be good i think that we're confident and we know that there's a lot of birds in the area because when we were packing up there were just flocks of geese coming in yeah and i think just kind of looking back on today a lesson learned is to don't be afraid to ask and kind of talk with people in the area like we we learned a lot from just going to that breakfast place and talking with that you know um paramedic and firefighter (coughs) so learning some stuff from him as well as on our way out from this evening um we actually are hunting tomorrow morning on a different unit that we've never hunted as well so there was a guy he was in uh the 19 unit that we're trying to get into and we had to just kind of drove past him and just said, hey, how, how was your hunt? You know, he said he did all right. And we were just kind of asking him some questions like, was it hard to get to the river? Like, you know, just kind of filling out the area because we, tomorrow we're going to go in there kind of blind as well. And just getting some rec- reconnaissance in and um, learning a little bit about that specific unit was helpful, I think, for tomorrow. Yeah, definitely. I mean, as soon as I saw that he was still there and he was loading up his truck, I said, pull over, let's talk to yeah. him. and. And we did, and it's what's really ironic about it is he's gonna hunt the area that we right. ended up hunting, doing you know, a little the switch. Half of the day. Switcheroo. So, um, he was sharing that he busted up some ice, and we busted up a lot of ice as well. And yeah, we spent about an hour and a half. So that's another thing on the river is um, the last couple of years we've hunted the, this river for a while, or at least two or three years, and um, every other year it's. It's obviously cold on the river, but it's never been fully iced up to the point where it's you can't set out deco- decoys really unless you break up ice. Um, but this trip, we, we spent about an hour and a half just kind of walking around, smashing up the ice. Brian took a big-ass log and was breaking the channel through. And um, you know, The reason you do this is if you're not familiar with um, river hunting because I know we have some listeners that don't usually duck hunt. Um, the reason why you want to open up the ice is to give the birds a, a place to land. They like to land in open water. And so if you can give them a, a hole, what we call a hole is an area where they would drop in and, um, 
also to set your decoys oven. Right, Bray? Yep. Can you explain that a little better than that? I mean, I think that's pretty much it. Right. It's just somewhere for them to land, somewhere for them to feel safe, and somewhere to get some of those decoys out because uh, if you just put decoys out on the out on the ice shelves and and on the bank or whatever, you're not going to get any of that movement that you really want, especially when there's no wind. So, right. I mean, we're able to get some blocks out there and uh, get some movement in the decoys. And, I mean, it was a pretty solid spread. We had a lot of lookers with the geese today. Mm-hmm. Um, broke a solo off of the off of a big flock and coming in and then you know some other guys in between us and the goose as he was cupped up coming into the decoys um decided to knock him down which that's public land hunting yeah so yeah we broke up the ice spent some time doing that um what else happened tonight we towards the end of the night was kind of cool and we we finished up we packed up Got in, uh, all of our stuff strapped up to the Forerunner, and then we're making a sand- couple sandwiches before we headed over to check out of our unit. And there was a, man, there's this flock after flock of geese just coming over. And Brian mentioned a good point that they were maybe some new geese to the area uh, migrating. There is a storm coming in, so it might be pushing them down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was, I don't know. Each flock had about 50 to 150 geese in each flock, so and there was probably like, like six flocks. Well, there's probably more than that. There's probably closer to 15 to 20 flocks, everything from 50 to, mm-hmm. to 200 birds. So, I mean, probably close to another 1,500 to 2,000 birds that came in. So, Which, at the end of the night, um, it's definitely good to see that. If you're going to hunt the next day, too, it gives you a little bit of momentum to go into the next day. Excuse me, I have a little bit of a sore throat, so coughing a little bit here. Um, so yeah, we ended the night on that. Saw a lot of birds in the area, gave us some hope for tomorrow. And um, another thing that's kind of cool about these, so this we don't usually hunt like more than one day, but this is one of our special times where we rent a hotel and just kind of like a a man retreat where we watch some football, get some pizza, drink some beers, and hang out for a little bit so besides kind of skunking on the day as far as bird count it was an awesome day as far as hanging out with our buddies and being able to just kick it and relax for a little bit yeah definitely um so this is going to be just kind of a quick episode guys Uh, i know oh another thing i wanted to mention before we wrap it up is when you go out to the river because this is kind of just like a river podcast so when you go out to the river make sure you are carrying adequate equipment um one of those things would be to make sure you have like some type of fire starter um and always carry your med kit shout out to wild hedgehog tactical for my med kit and the fire starter kit i also have is from wild hedgehog both of those items are you know they're they're vital to surviving if something were to happen out in the field and um just always make sure you have something like that on hand and it can happen i mean that guy that we talked to on the way out he took a dip (laughs) yeah the guy at 19 that we're switching with he's going to take 21 we'll go 19 tomorrow he was saying that you know he the water didn't seem too deep he was about hip you know hip deep in the water on the river and just run one wrong step because obviously it's not a perfect river bottom there's pits and holes that you can step into and he said he took a step dipped in and got all soaking wet in the river and 
had to take all his clothes off, rinse, wring him out, get him dry as he could. But accidents happen, and they happen more easily than you'd like to think. So um, just keep that in mind, and make sure you have the proper equipment out there when you're when you're hunting, and um, always let somebody know where you are in case something bad happens. That's another thing, which as a hunter you can sometimes forget. <laughs> always you get so fixated on the kill yeah and not so much on what might be smart and safe definitely so guys want to thank you for listening it's always a pleasure to you know give you our mindset on hunting and some of the um tips and tricks that we may have that and you if you guys have stuff that you you know are more experienced with as far as river hunting or maybe some suggestions for everybody please let us know Again, we have multiple channels to reach out to us. We have our email, greedybirdwaterfellers at gmail.com. And then also we have our Instagram, greedybirdwaterfellers. Please just let us know. Like I said, if you have anything cool or anything related to this topic, we'd love to hear back from you. Um, Tomorrow is our last day of this weekend hunt, and we're hoping that it will be successful. We have some good signs, and we're looking forward to getting out there. So I want to thank you guys for listening. Again, this is Gritty Bird Waterfowlers, episode number nine of the show. We'll talk to you guys later.